section 43 of Eliah and the last essays of Eliah. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Eliah and the last essays of Eliah by Charles Lamb. The Tombs in the Abbey. In a letter to R. S. Esquire though in some points of doctrine and perhaps of discipline i am diffident of lending a perfect assent that the church which you have so worthily historified yet may the ill time never come to me when with a chilled heart or a portion of irreverent sentiment i shall enter her beautiful and time-hallowed edifices judge then of my mortification when after attending the choral anthems of last wednesday at westminster and being desirous of renewing my acquaintance after lapsed years with the tombs and antiquities there i found myself excluded turned out like a dog or some profane person into the common street with feelings not very congenial to the place or to the solemn service which i had been listening to it was a jar after that music you had your education at westminster and doubtless among those dim aisles and cloisters you must have gathered much of that devotional feeling in those young years on which your purest mind feeds still and may it feed the antiquarian spirit strong in you and gracefully blending ever with the religious may have been sown in you among those wrecks of splendid mortality you owe it to the place of your education you owe it to your learned fondness for the architecture of your ancestors you owe it to the venerableness of your ecclesiastical establishment which is daily lessened and called in question through these practices to speak aloud your sense of them never to desist raising your voice against them till they be totally done away with and abolished till the doors of westminster abbey be no longer closed against the decent though low in purse enthusiast or blameless devotee who must commit an injury against his family's economy if he would be indulged with a bare admission within its walls you owe it to the decencies which you wish to see maintained in its impressive services that our cathedral be no longer an object of inspection to the poor at those times only in which they must rob from their attendance on the worship every minute which they can bestow upon the fabric in vain the public prints have taken up this subject in vain such poor nameless writers as myself express their indignation a word from you sir i hint in your journal would be sufficient to fling open the doors of the beautiful temple again as we can remember them when we were boys at that time of life which would be the imaginative faculty such as it is in both of us have suffered if the entrance to so much reflection had been obstructed by the demand of so much silver if we had scraped it up to gain an occasional admission as we certainly should have done would the sight of those old tombs have been as impressive to us while we had been weighing anxiously prudence against sentiment as when the gates stood open as those of the adjacent park when we could walk in at any time as the mood brought us for a shorter or longer time as that lasted is the being shown over a place the same as silently for ourselves detecting the genius of it in no part of our beloved abbey now can a person find entrance out of service time upon the sum of two 
shillings. The rich and the great will smile at the anticlimax, presumed to lie in these two short words. But you can tell them, sir, how much quiet worth, how much capacity for enlarged feeling, how much taste and genius may coexist, especially in youth, with a purse incompetent to this demand. A respected friend of ours, during his late visit to the metropolis, presented himself for admission to St. Paul's. At the same time, a decently clothed man, with as decent a wife and child, were bargaining for the same indulgence. The price was only two pence each person. The poor but decent man hesitated, desirous to go in, but there were three of them, and he turned away reluctantly. Perhaps he wished to have seen the tomb of Nelson. Perhaps the interior of the cathedral was his object. But in the state of his finances, even sixpence might reasonably seem too much. Tell the aristocracy of the country, no man can do it more impressively, instruct them of what value these insignificant pieces of money, these minims to their sight, may be to their humbler brethren. Shame these sellers out of the temple. Stifle not the suggestions of your better nature with the pretext that an indiscriminate admission would expose the tombs to violation. Remember your boy days. Did you ever see or hear of a mob in the abbey while it was free to all? Do the rabble come here or trouble their heads about such speculations? It is all that you can do to drive them into your churches. They do not voluntarily offer themselves. They have, alas, no passion for antiquities, for tomb of king or prelate, sage or poet. If they had, they would be no longer the rabble. For forty years that I have known the fabric, the only well-attested charge of violation adduced has been a ridiculous dismemberment committed upon the effigy of that amiable spy, Major Andre. And is it for this, the wanton mischief of some schoolboy, fired perhaps with raw notions of transatlantic freedom, or the remote possibility of such a mischief occurring again, so easily to be prevented by stationing a constable within the walls? If the vergers are incompetent to the duty, is it upon such wretched pretenses that the people of England are made to pay a new Peter's pence, so long abrogated, or must content themselves with contemplating the ragged exterior of their cathedral? The mischief was done about the time that you were a scholar there, do you know anything about the unfortunate relic? End of section 43.